Masechet Yevamot Af Ayin He. We have two topics today. The second topic, which begins in the middle of Amud Aleph, is going to be uh, defining what does Pesua Daka Uchrut Shofcha mean, and we'll go into minute and all the gory detail uh, in defining those terms. But first, we're going to be continuing our discussion about eating and then uh, touching Teruma. Uh, at what stage of purity is one allowed to eat teruma? Uh, as we saw, there are three stages of purity. First, one goes to the mikveh during the day, and then becomes a tevul yom. And then when it gets dark, uh, the second level, that's what you need for teru, to eat teruma. And uh, that's called mechusar kipurim, assuming it's someone that needs to bring uh, korban on the eighth day. And once he brings korban on the eighth day, then he's fully uh, tahor for all purposes. Um, all right, so teruma is the second level. Has to, you have to go to mikveh during the day and then get dark. Uh, the thing is that there are three different pisukim that we were discussing that all that all talk about teruma and the stage at which teruma can be eaten. So the opening question is, why do we need all three pisukim? Let me show you the three pisukim first, and then we'll see it in the Gemara. The first one is in Vayikra 22 regarding Tameh people eating holy foods, and it says ish ish sarua zav. Right now, we're understanding this to mean someone who saw only two emissions of Zav and therefore has to wait seven days, but does not have to bring a Korban um, or Sarua, who is not for sure. Uh, so here the key word is until he gets pure. But this is kind of ambiguous. What does it mean until he gets pure? Mikveh, um, I guess. Uh, but what else? Uh, all right, so that's Pasuk 4. Later on in the same Perek, uh, says seven, Uba Hashemesh Vetaher, and it gets dark, and then he becomes Tahor. Oh, so this is the second Pasuk. And then um, in chapter 12, Yoledet, the woman who recently gave birth, uh, says uh, also in Pasuk 4 that she has Demetahora, she has uh, 33 days uh, after the seven days after she has a boy, those 33 days, uh, anytime she sees blood during those days, she's still Tahor um, to her husband, but nevertheless, in terms of consecrated things, she is still Tameh, so Bechol Kodesh Lo Tigav, she cannot touch, we're going to get to touching soon, um, uh, until the she completes the days of her purity. So here, it, it depends on counting days. Uh, so this is a third pasuk that is referring uh, to Tiruma, among other things. And here's the question, why do we need all three pesukim? So we begin. Why do we need three pesukim to tell us about the purification of a person so that he can eat tiruma? Sirichi, I need all three. ad asher hitar. If it's if I only had uh, twenty-two four, the context of zav and sarua there, and it says until he becomes pure. I wouldn't know what that is. What is required for him to become pure? I only know that he's prohibited from Tiruma until he gets pure. What does that mean? Oh, now I know. It has to be he went to the mikveh. That's implied in Asheritad. Um, but also, he has to wait till it gets dark. Good. So, wait till it gets dark. Um, not Tvul Yom is not good enough. 
he has to be nighttime. And if I only had this, I would say that's only true in a case where he does not, a person does not have to bring a korban. If it's a zav that only saw two or that, two times, uh, then that's sufficient for him to wait at night, wait till nighttime, because that's what that's how we understood so far. That Pedek is talking about a Zav only two times. Aval Debar Kapara, but what if it was a Zav that saw three times and who has to bring a Korban the next day? I might think that we, he cannot eat Tiruma until he finishes his full process and brings the Korbanot. That's why regarding the Yoledet, it says until we, she completes the days. That's it. You'd only have to complete the days. You don't have to wait till the next day. And bringing the uh, bringing the korban. Okay, so now we say, why not only bring the third pasuk? Because then I might think, oh, until you finish counting the days, even before you go to the mikveh, I completed the days. That's all I need. So that's why I have to say, that's why I need the first pasuk. No, you have to do the purification process, which is at least uh, mikveh. Not only mikveh, second pasuk says also uh, wait till night time. Well, what about sacrifice? No, Yoledet says uh, just complete the days. Although Yoledet herself does have to bring a sacrifice. But that pasuk says until the days are completed. So therefore, uh, we, see for, we need the combination of all three pasukim to teach me that is someone who is uh, Tameh can eat teruma once he goes to the mikveh and waits till nighttime, does not have to bring the sacrifices. All right, that's all according to the assumption that chapter 22 was talking about uh, Zav only saw two times. But there's another opinion. Those who argue with the, with the school of Ishmael, they say that Vaikra 22 is talking about a full Zabusa three times, or Mesorah is fully a Mesorah. Who has, do they have to bring a Korban also? So according to them, we have a different question. They interpret that, that the pasuk to mean that he has to bring, bring the korbanot. So according to them, why do I need two different pesukim in order to teach me this? One, let's look at the pesukim, uh, is in 22. And one is regarding the yoledet. It says for her that uh, she has to bring uh, birds, a sacrifice, only once she is atoned through korbanot, then she becomes pure. So you see we have two different pesukim that are teaching us uh, that um, a person needs to uh, fully bring their korbanot in order to eat Kodesh, right? That's the rule. In order to eat Tirumah, you just have to wait till nighttime. You don't have to bring the korbanot. But in order to eat sacrificial meat, then you have to be fully tahor after you bring the korbanot of Kippurim. Why do I need two pisukim? According, this is according to the one who says that there are two pisukim for it. Why do I need both? So, Sirichi, we say, we need them both. If only the pasuk regarding the woman who just gave birth, she is tameh for a very long time, uh, 40 days for a boy, 80 days for a girl. So I might say only regarding her, she uh, has to bring, uh, she's very tameh, so of her long time, therefore she has to bring Kormanot before she can have 
Kodesh, Aval Bezav, Emalaba, maybe for a Zav, it was only for Tameh for seven days. Maybe not so Tameh. So I may, maybe I would think that he does not, a Zav does not need to bring a Korban in order to eat Kodesh. Uh, so uh, that's why it says Zav. And if I only had Zav, if it only told me regarding Zav, I would say that a Zav needs to bring a Korban before he can eat Kodesh because every every person who sees an emission that is a, a, a zav type emission will become tameh there are no exceptions there are no exceptions that are permitted in from the rule but regarding yoledet there are there is an exception what is that that a yoledet she is let's say for a boy she is tameh for seven days however for the next 33 days even though she sees blood, she's still permitted to her husband. So you see that there, that's an exceptional type of thing. Usually someone who bleeds, she becomes Tameh. But this one is an exception. She sees the same thing, but she is permitted to her husband. Uh, it's Demeh Tahora. And so since she has that exception, which the Zav doesn't have, I might think that the Zav is more stringent, and therefore only the Zav has to bring a Korban before he can eat a Korban, and not, not so for Yoledet. That's why Sericha, and we need to say it in regarding both cases. Okay, good. And so now we're going to be uh, moving to the uh, prohibition against touching Terumah. Uh, this is another pasuk in Vayikra 11, which we can look at, uh, which says, if a sheretz, a reptile that is dead, falls on some vessel, and it doesn't matter if the vessel is made out of wood or cloth or leather or sack, anything that it falls on, um, well, so you have to put it in water and then it will be Tameh. You have to put it in the mikveh. It will be Tameh until the nighttime and then it will become pure. A simple reading is that it's Tameh until the nighttime and then it becomes pure. Like I'm not going to notice that it doesn't say Vitad, uh, but rather Vitahed, reading that as if it was, it was also Tahed and therefore it kind of kind contradiction. It was Tameh until evening. It was also Tahod until evening. So how could it be both Tameh and Tahod at the same time? Uh, the Gemara will say it's for different purposes. All right, so let's go back to the Gemara and see how it interprets it. So, Lamali, why do I need this whole pasuk in the first place? This is talking about even touching Teruma if uh, such a vessel that was, became Tameh through a Sheretz and then it touched Teruma, then that Teruma it becomes itself impure and that is a problem. And so too, not only a vessel, but also a person that even though they went to the mikveh during the day, they're a tevul yom, if they eat teruma, if they touch teruma, that also is a problem and makes that teruma tameh, even though he went to the mikveh already. Okay, now how do we know this? Uh, that is talking about this time period. Detanya. Well, we know it's at this time period after, because it says, until he went to the mikveh until nightfall. But how do we know it's talking about teruma? As follows, detanya baraitas, as vetameh. Does that mean it's Tameh for all, everything, anything that this vessel touches will become Tameh? But the last word says, it had been 
pure. So even tahed yachol akol. So let's say I guess everything it touches, since it went, you dipped in the mikveh already. Maybe anything it touches is tahor. No tamud omar tameh. It says tameh tameh. Hakesad. How can it be? Kan the amaser kan the truma. So when it says it will make something tahor, it had been tahor. Uh, then even if it touches it, it remains tahor. That's talking about maaser sheni. But when it says v'tameh, that's talking about if it touches terumah, terumah becomes tameh. So these different uh, food items have different uh, susceptibilities to tumah during that time, in between time period of a tevul yom, whether it be a vessel or a person that went to the mikveh and is waiting nighttime. If they t- if that person or vessel touches maaser sheni, it's okay. It remains tahor. If it touches terumah, it makes the terumah uh, tameh. Okay, now question on that. How do you know it's in that order? Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe it's Tiruma that remains Tahor and Maaser Sheni that becomes Tameh. No, that can't make, can't be. It just makes sense that just as eating Tiruma is more stringent, you cannot eat Tiruma until it gets dark. We just proved that. Um, and so, uh, uh, just like Tiruma is more stringent regarding eating than eating Maaser, which Maaser can be eaten by a Tevul Yom, so too, regarding touching, it makes the most sense that touching Tiruma would be a more stringent than touching Maaser Sheni. Okay, that does make perfect sense. The other way around, it would lead to a kind of strange thing that you would be, you'd say you're allowed to eat Maaser Sheni as a Tevul Yom, but you can't touch it. Uh, well then, how do you do? How do you do that? Maybe you have to wrap if you wrap it in a cloth and swallow it whole, so you don't touch it, but uh, you do eat it, right? Uh, it's not even clear how you would even do that. But anyway, it doesn't make sense, and so we can conclude that it's maaser sheni that you can touch and eat as a tevul yom, but teruma cannot touch or eat as a tevul yom. That's one source. Vibayetema or another source for the law about touching. We know you cannot touch Tiruma as a Tvulyom from this Pasuk. Michol Kodesh Lotiga regarding a Yoledet. It says that she also cannot touch Tiruma. We need the full Pasuk in order to understand this. Here. During that time period of 33 days, Bechol Kodesh Lotiga. There you go, she can't touch Kodesh. And Vela Mikdash Lotavo. Admelot Yemetaro. She also not allowed to come to the Beta Mikdash. People think, why can't, why can't she come to the Beta Mikdash? In the olden days, a lot of women, after they gave birth, they were so thankful they would do different uh, fertility rites in uh, pagan temples. So the Torah wanted to exclude any possibility of this kind of idolatry. So you know what? They said, if you just gave birth, you're not even allowed to come to the Beta Mikdash at all. Uh, so that might be one of the reasons behind this law. In any case, she cannot come to the Beta Mikdash. She is Teme'ah for that. She can be with her husband, but cannot come to the Beta Mikdash. So now let's understand this. Um, this is, the Baraita says, Bechol uh, Is this warning uh, that uh, uh, Yoledet, 
during those days, 40 days or 80 days, that she cannot eat tiruma, or is it talking about touching tiruma? Now, literally, it says touching. So, but why, so why, would, we, why would we even think that's eating? Because the Pasuk juxtaposes uh, this touching Kodesh with coming to the Bet HaMikdash. Well, if someone enters the Bet HaMikdash in this state, she will receive Karet. Uh, that's what it means, you know, taking her life into her own hands. Um, so too, it's, since it's juxtaposed, this Kodesh, whatever she's doing with it, must be something that would be Chayav Karet. Now, that would only be true for eating. Therefore, even though it says touch, touch means like, don't even come close to it to eat it. Um, uh, okay, but just by touching, there's no punishment of karet for only touching teruma, so therefore it has to mean eating. Okay, then why not say eating? And the reason why it says eating with using a verb uh, language of touching is to teach that touching is also prohibited like eating is prohibited. Although eating gets karet, touching does not get karet, but touching teruma is also prohibited and will make the teruma uh, impure. You're not allowed to make a teruma impure on purpose. Uh, so there you go. Now we learned not only the laws of eating, but also of touching teruma, that both are uh, permitted for it to, uh, uh, after it gets dark, but both are prohibited as a tevul yom. And now we get to the next section of the Mishnah. The Mishnah taught that uh, someone who has uh, injury to his privates, can eat tiruma if he's a kohen. It doesn't make him uh, pasul from eating a, uh, from eating tiruma. His servants also can eat. Thing is, he can't get married in that state. He's not allowed, not allowed to get married. However, what if he was already married before the injury? So kohen married a woman, perfectly good, and she's eating tiruma because she's married to a kohen. And then after, during the marriage, he gets an injury. So now, from that point on, they are not allowed to be together to have bi'ah. But let's say they don't. Before they have bi'ah, can she eat? The Mishnah says yes. She can continue to eat tiruma because they were legally married and they didn't have bi'ah yet. That would make uh, that would make her pesula. Uh, uh, all right, so that's the case we're talking about. We ask Mantana Achla. Who is the Tana who thinks that a woman who is awaiting a bi'ah which is prohibited on the Doraita level can nevertheless eat uh, tiruma? Right? You see this woman. I mean, how long are they going to stay uh, celibate? Uh, the, she is awaiting bi'ah with someone she is prohibited to because now he got this injury and yet she can eat. Who else says? Who says this opinion? We're going to compare it now to a previous Mishnah we saw a while ago that said if an almana, for example, is mikudeshet uh, to a Kohen Gadol. So this is a prohibited relation. Even though it's prohibited, if you do it, it's valid. Uh, so he gave her the ring, and now she is awaiting uh, to be with a, a, a prohibited Kohen. Can she eat in the meantime? Can she have tiruma? Because there was no bi'a yet. We saw there was, this was a machloket. Tanakamad bimeir said, no good. On the Rabbanan level, she's awaiting bi'a with someone pasul. So she's entering, she's expecting uh, 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 something that's a sin. 
Therefore, even from now, she cannot have Tiruma. But the other opinion said it's permitted. This was a topic of Machloket, and the Bilazar Bishimon over there said that a woman who is awaiting Nisuin with the Kohen she is prohibited to can eat Tiruma during that time period. So to here, this woman who um, is, was married and her husband became a Pesuadaka, but they didn't have Biyah yet, even though she's awaiting a prohibited relation right now, she's okay. Okay, so this Mishnah must be, uh, must follow only to be Elazar and Bishimon, not to be Meir. But then the Biochanan comes and saves the day because we don't want to limit the Mishnah to only one side. And he says, I can even explain that our Mishnah is a Bimeir. And this case is different because she was already married in a permitted way and she was already eating Tirumah. So now she can continue eating Tirumah even though she is awaiting the next Bi'ah will be prohibited. Because you have the momentum of the force of her already be having eaten. That's different from the case back there where she was a Bat Yisrael. She never ate Tirumah. She just got engaged. So, but she's awaiting a prohibited, uh, uh, a prohibited Bi'ah. So there, the force to start from scratch, you need more force to move than if you already have momentum. And so because she was not already eating, uh, this uh, awaiting Biapisula is not going to permit her to eat Tiruma. So we can even reconcile it with the Bimeir. Now, the Biel Azar, the Biel Azar is the one that said it's Machloket. The Biochanan said it's not a Machloket. So the Bokoint of the Biel Azar, what, would, what will you say about this claim of the Biochanan that is different because she's, or she was already eating in this case? The Biel Azar would say, I don't think that principle is a good, is a true principle that it makes a difference that you were already eating so you can, can, can continue with the momentum of the previous permission. Because if you agree with that principle, then then you uh, we, then you would have to say that if you had a Bat Yisrael who married a Kohen and now she's eating Tiruma, a regular case, permitted relation, and then her husband died, well, she was already eating, so let her continue eating even after her husband died, even if there's no children, right? According to your principle, oh, she was already eating. The momentum continues. So you see that we don't say that principle there, so I don't hold that principle anywhere, and Rabbi Meir cannot be the author of this Mishnah. Okay, what would Biochanan say to that? Biochanan says completely different. In that case where the husband dies, then she, the acquisition is gone, meaning the mar- there is no more marriage. You end marriage through get or mita. In this case, he died, so therefore she is not the she is not acquired. She is not under the house in the household of a kohen anymore. So of course she cannot eat. It's completely different. Whereas here, in the case. Where where they were married, he becomes a Pesua Daka, but they're still married, uh, and so therefore the momentum of having been able to eat Tiruma beforehand, that in this case it does continue. They are married, even though uh, the next Bi'a will make her a Pesula, but for now it's still okay, even according to Rebbe Meir.
We now come to the last section of the Mishnah, which, uh, trigger warning, is going to be a little bit gory. Uh, we are describing, uh, what does this mean? It's worth looking at the Pesukim in context, because it's going to come up. Pesuk says, So let's look at what does these, what do these words mean literally. Pesua means wounded. Daka means crushed. It doesn't actually say what uh, part is crushed, but we're going to understand this as the testicles. The Gemara will refer to betzim. We'll use that term as well. Uchrut means uh, means severed. Shofcha literally just means uh, a spiller, something that pours, a pourer. Harambam in Moren Nevuchim, Part Three, Chapter Eight says, "Why is uh, Hebrew called Lashon Hakodesh?" Uh, it says because there are no words for uh, male, female, uh, reproductive uh, organs, uh, but rather even the Torah uh, uses euphemisms for everything. So this is one example that he actually brings, which is that uh, the male member is called a spiller because it spills uh, while someone urinates. That's it. Okay, so this, um, we'll talk about what exactly all these terms refer to. They, this person cannot get married. In the context, we also say that Mamzer Mamzer cannot marry until 10th generation. Other people also are other generations, Amoni, Moavi, um, and so on. Okay, so that's the context, and now we can go back and say, Ezehu Petsuwa Daka, what does that mean? Tenora Banan. Ezehu Petsuwa Daka, Koshinifsu Besim Shelo, Afilo Ahat Mehen, Petsuwa Daka, crushed means anyone who has a wound to his Betsim, even if only one Betsa. The Mishnah said that as well. Afilo Nikebu, Afilo Nimoku, Afilo Hasiru, and not only crushed, also punctured. Uh, decayed, deficient, became smaller for whatever reason, all these are included, and that person cannot marry into the regular Jewish community. This point is actually subject to machloket, because he heard from the sages in Yavne, early sages, that someone who has one betza is okay. He's called siris hama. Siris hama generally means someone who is not injured uh, by uh, accident or by mankind, but rather someone who's born, um, who, someone who's physically, anatomically intact, but cannot have children for uh, some other, because some, of some other reason or condition. And that person can marry. And so uh, someone who has only one betza is uh, the same as that person. Gemara asks, clarifies, is it really the same as someone who is only by natural causes uh, unable to bear children? And it's not the same. He has only one betza. He's not anatomically, anatomically is, uh, deficient. Rather, it just means that the law regarding him is the same as a siris hama and therefore is permitted to marry. Good. Venikav lo molid. Now, all this whole time, see, we're assuming that uh, all of these uh, types of injuries uh, are problematic because the man cannot reproduce when he has any of these. So that's um, kind of the definition of what would what injury would be sufficient of an injury. So now, if uh, his betzim are punctured, is that really true that the person cannot uh, cannot have a child? We have an actual story of a person. He was climbing up a tree, 
and and a thorn punctured him in his betsim. And nevertheless, some pus came out of him, uh, and he was able to have a child. So there you go. Even someone who is punctured can still have a child. Uh, so that goes against the definition we said earlier in the Braita. But actually, that story is not a is not a question. Shemuel, who was also known as a doctor, uh, asked, uh, sent this case to Rav, and he said, go and check if his children are really his, uh, where they came from. In other words, uh, Rav said, no, the Braita is right, and someone with a, set, with a puncture cannot actually bear children. If this couple has children, it must be because she committed adultery. Go and investigate. Uh, someone who was born with uh, uh, with uh, crushed betzim, uh, some problem. If they're born that way, that's okay. It's only a problem if there was um, a uh, accident uh, that happened after they were born. And what's the proof? Rava says, since it says pesua, which sounds like a verb, he became crushed. And it doesn't say ha-pesua, the crushed one, which is more of a noun, which would indicate he was born that way. That's his proof to back up Shemuel. Or another uh, proof for a similar idea. Uh, back, these two pesukim are back to back. The person with crushed uh, privates and the someone who's a mamzer. How do, you, how, how do you get a mamzer? That's because of human hands, because two uh, people uh, had got together in a prohibited relationship and they had a child. So just like that is because of human action, so too the word pesua is only because of human action, whether on purpose or by mistake, doesn't matter, but that excludes someone who's born with a deformity that person is permitted to marry. Uh, Rava says, although in the Pasuk it says different uh, verbs, adjectives, um, they all three, Pesua, uh, meaning, uh, meaning wounded, or Daka, crushed, or severed, all of these three uh, actions apply to every part of the anatomy. Don't think that crushed is only for betzim and severed is only for the gid, the member itself, but rather all three apply to all, uh, actually there's three parts of the anatomy, uh, as we're going to see. Regarding wounding, that applies to the gid, the member itself, or the betzim, or the vessels and arteries that connect uh, everything together. If any of those are wounded, no good. Dach bechulan, crushed, that applies also. Ben sheni dachagid, ben sheni dechu besim, ben sheni dechu chute besim, and also karut, severed, that applies to all three parts. Bechulan, ben sheni chiratagid, ben sheni chiratu besim, ben sheni chiratu chute besim. Good. Now, a for more fundamental question, uh, because uh, Hebrew uses euphemisms, uh, so it's not even clear, how do we even know that this pasuk is talking about 
the that place, right? Meaning one's uh, reproductive organs. Maybe it's talking about one's head, one's actual head. So you have a head, a, had a head injury, and his head is uh, is not well, not severed, but uh, crushed or something, uh, some w- wounded. Maybe that person cannot marry. And so his answer is no. Since it doesn't say anything about generations, uh, right, for other ones, for Amoni, Moavi, right, it says, here's how many generations you cannot marry that person. It doesn't say any generations. So we can infer that because this injury is to the reproductive organs, this is a person who cannot have a child, and therefore, um, it must be talking about the reproductive organs and not any other limb of one's body and not one's head. Okay. Wait, maybe that's not a good proof. Maybe the reason why it didn't say after two, after three generations prohibit is permitted, and maybe it's because only he is pro- pro- prohibited. Um, uh, let's say, going back to someone who has a head injury, only that person cannot marry, but their children can marry. So that's why it didn't say anything, because there's no prohibition that lasts more generations. You don't have to say anything uh, if, it doesn't la- if it doesn't continue for generations. So that's not a proof. Rather, Dumya de Chirut Shofcha. Rather, Pesua Daka, we're comparing to Chirut Shofcha. Just like a severed member is talking about reproductive organs, so too crushed is talking about a reproductive organ. All right, so now you're going to prove Pesua Daka from Kruchovcha, but Kruchovcha itself, how do you know it's talking about uh, the male member? Maybe it's talking about something else that's severed. Maybe if one's lips are cut off, then that person cannot marry. No, No, it has to be something that pours, whereas lips, although if you spit, that, that's, that spit, you know, uh, shoots out, spits out, um, uh, and doesn't pour, and therefore cannot be talking about, uh, cannot be talking about one's mouth, unless someone is drooling. One time I had a student who was, uh, she asked me some dating advice, she said she went out with a guy who was drooling. I said, that's disgusting. What's wrong with this guy? I don't know. Why would you marry, want to marry someone who's drooling? She says, no, not drooling, rather jeweling, J-U-U-L. Okay, that was a different problem altogether. She ended up breaking up with him uh, either way, so it didn't matter. Okay, so generally people don't drool, but rather uh, spit, and therefore you wouldn't call the mouth a, a spiller. So, therefore, it uh, can't be that. So, maybe you're talking about a nose, because a nose runs, and uh, therefore a nose could be called a spiller. No, it doesn't say which spills, which sounds like it spills all the time, but rather something that only spills when cut. So therefore, it has to be some uh, uh, part of the anatomy that only spills when it's severed, but because, because it's severed. But if it's not severed, then it does not spill, but rather streams or ejects. And so that would be talking about the male member, and it would not be talking about a nose where the nose runs, no matter whether the nose is fully intact or 
before it's severed, uh, the uh, the nose will still run. So therefore, it's not talking about a nose. And so that's all that is uh, one way that we know. Or another way, Another way to know that it's talking about reproductive organs and not anything else is through the juxtaposition of this injury with mamzer. How do you? How does one become a mamzer? Because uh, the the uh, man and woman uh, reproduced through their reproductive organs and created a mamzer. So too, pesuadaka is juxtaposed because that also is in that place. And so that's how we resolve uh, that question. Okay, now uh, exactly what kinds, what types of uh, uh, cuts and severs uh, count? Uh, as a problem and which don't. We have to define some terms. When we say here, lemata, uh, it's the opposite of what uh, we might usually think. We have to think of a man standing up and uh, his uh, member is down. So that means lemata means away the part of his member away from his body. Lemata means towards his body. Okay, so if he has a, something that's severed uh, below the corona, and as I'll say, it's a straight cut, like vertically, and so the top part of the cut is above the corona, so that you know, the there is some the lower part of the corona is there, but not the upper part. What did we do in that case? Bichia said, oh, sounds like it should be good since the, at least the lower part of the corona is intact. Uh, but said, the name of says, no, it's no good. Uh, a puncture and the corona of any size is going to be a problem, will not be able to be fertile and therefore cannot marry. Alright, back to the Mishnah that says if there remains some portion of the corona, even if it's as small as a hair's breadth, that person can marry, it's okay. What does that mean? There has to be a hair's breadth uh, left. Does that mean uh, an, around the entire thing or just a majority? of its circumference. And he says, no, it's really just the majority, but the majority has to be the upper part of it. And so that would make sense that this one was a problem because the upper part was cut and only the lower part was there. And so it has to be that the majority of the upper part is there. Uh, even if it's a hair's breadth, that's okay. Now, there's two different types of uh, cuts here when comparing it. One like a quill, which would mean some kind of um, uh, vertical cut that makes the member sharp, uh, thin. Marzev is like a gutter, which means that there's a, a, a cut um, like a kind of U-shape if you look at it head-on and uh, down the entire shaft of the member. 
Uh, okay, so two different types of um, of cuts. Kulmus, he says, is permitted. Marzev, the gutter one, is no good. What's the reason? Because if it's a gutter-like, then air penetrates all around and then uh, interferes with the flow. Uh, whereas if it's a cut like a quill, then the air does not uh, enter and uh, the person can function okay. The opposite. Why? Because if someone is a marzev, so uh, even though he has this gutter uh, cut, but nevertheless, most of the um, outside of the member is still there, so he will feel friction when he is with his wife. Whereas the one who is cut more more um, uh, sharply will not have friction and will not uh, be able to function properly. Um, so Rava says, I, you know what, I think that Rav Huna was at uh, first here, he makes sense uh, his, uh, because of the air penetration is an important factor. If you're worried about the, uh, the friction and the rubbing, it's like a stopper of a barrel. The stopper of a barrel is like a cork or a cone shape. And so even though it's, this is the quill, even though it's thin on top, but at the bottom, meaning towards the person's body, it becomes wider. And so therefore there is sufficient friction uh, from, uh, from, that, from the uh, thicker part of the cone. And therefore that would really would not be a problem. So therefore he agrees with Rav Huna. Okay, we can you know, understand the analogies. Uh, the more analogies here, the better. Uh, we don't have pictures for this. If I put pictures, I think YouTube would uh, take down the video uh, for going against this decency policy. So you have to use your imagination. Where have the following statement in the name of the Papa? Although we saw two different opinions here, Lalacha is both of these uh, types of cuts, the gutter or the quill, are permitted. That person is permitted to marry. But the question that we still have that Ravina uh, asks Miremar is what, where are these types of cuts talking about? Is it below the uh, corona? meaning uh, towards the floor or lemala or above meaning towards the body. And so the answer is obviously it has to be above towards the body. That's where it's cut. Because if it's um, at the lower part of uh, away from the body, even if it's entirely severed, it's, it's okay. Uh, because all you need is a hair's breadth um, past the corona. So if you have uh, if you have that, it's okay. So therefore these types of cuts we were talking about are towards the body. So this is, seems like a, a simple a, a simple question. Why is Ravina even asking Miremar if it's such a simple question? Really, Ravina only asked this to trick Miremar. Uh, it was a trick question uh, just to kind of make him confused and make him have to really think about the, uh, all the different cases. Um, you might call this a low blow. And now a story that happened in the city of Matamachseya, Shafieh Mor Bar Rav Ashe, 
uh, where a person had a certain injury that was problematic, but Morbarav uh, was an expert in um, cosmetic surgery, and he was able to shape it like a quill, and therefore said it's permitted. Or another case that happened in Pupandita, where a certain person, he had uh, some injury and the seminal duct became blocked. And then instead, uh, the Zeda came out of his urinary duct. How could that happen? You can read this note here, uh, where uh, somehow uh, goes into the bladder, and then the semen came out with the urine through the bladder. And this was a problem. But Abayah says, well, maybe it should be okay, because uh, still it still is coming out, the Zeda is coming out, so maybe it's fine. So now he gives them a personal insult. He says, you, Rabbevai, uh, because you come from a truncated people. He was a, he was a Kohen, the sin, descendant of Eli, who was, uh, was given a curse that his descendants would be short-lived. So because you are a short-lived person, you say words that are short-lived, that don't make sense. Uh, so, okay, personal blow. Uh, but here, uh, the point is, if you have Zerah that's in its place and uh, exits in the right way, then it can fertilize uh, the woman and have a child. But if not, if it's going through the wrong duct, then one cannot have a child in that way, and therefore this person would not be good. Uh, that's enough fun for one day. Baruch Adonai Leolam. Amen ve'amen.